The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Ladies and gentlemen, Real Paranormal Activity is proud to present Terry's Mysterious Moments. Welcome to Season 2 of Terry's Mysterious Moments. Thank you for listening to the show. I hope you find something interesting. Or maybe something spooky. Or maybe something just... Mysterious. UFOs. Three small letters can create such a dust up. But that's kind of what I want to talk about tonight, so let's just move on into it. We all know what a UFO is it's an unidentified flying object. Nothing in that description says extraterrestrial craft alien ship or just something out of out of the clear blue but the very name that it is called is exactly what it is unidentified it's flying and it's an object we accept that we can pretty well be okay with whatever they are I want to tell you a story happened back in 1973 to some United States Army Reserve medics outside of Cleveland, Ohio. In fact, one of them was a longtime Cleveland police officer. And now that this Cleveland police officer is retired after so many good years, he has a mystery to solve. And it's a mystery that happened to him and his fellows while they were flying between two places in in Ohio. The situation was that John and his fellow reservists apparently had just undergone some some, uh, 
classes and, and tests and it had done well. So let me tell you the story. This took place between Ashland and Mansfield, Ohio, they figure, in the sky. The story was was recorded because this police officer wanted to have his facts down as to what he had seen. So this was this was on a recording at the police station. Detective John Healy is the name of the officer. He is a reserve medic in the Army Reserves. So here's what he said. We had all just passed our flight physicals. We were cold sober and in perfect health. And we left Port Columbus Airport at about 10.30 last night and at about 11, halfway between there and Cleveland or between Ashland and Mansfield, the crew chief saw a light on the horizon, a red light on the horizon, and he asked the pilot if there were any towers around the area. The pilot said there were not, and he told the crew chief to keep an eye on the light. As we went along at an altitude of about 3,000 feet, the light seemed to be getting brighter and brighter, and it appeared to be on a collision course. The pilot had to put the helicopter into a power dive to avoid it. The object cleared our aircraft by about 500 feet. We were looking right through the windshield watching this thing, and it just dang near came to a stop right over us. We all got a very good look at it. It had a steady red light on its nose. It was cigar shaped. There were no wings on it. It made no noise. Created no air turbulence. It had a green light shining down out of the aft end. I've seen aircraft from PT-19s up to C-5As. So I know aircraft when I see it at night. But this thing scared the living hell out of me. We contacted Mansfield Airport and told them we were almost in a collision with an aircraft operating at 3,000 feet and 600 knots. Mansfield never acknowledged our broadcast. We tried to get a hold of Cleveland, and we couldn't until the object passed over us. It continued out to the west, picked up speed, and we lost it over the horizon. We never saw it again. The interrogator steps in and says, let's go from what actually happened to what you might think it is. I know this is just your personal opinion, but what do you think? Again, John Healy comes back on and says, it didn't have wings. But at 3,000 feet, you have to have wings to stay aloft. How else do you stay up there? It wasn't a dirigible or a zeppelin, because those things don't move at the speed this thing moved. Clandestine aircraft couldn't operate at that speed at that low altitude. In fact, I think it's against FAA law to fly above 200 knots at that altitude. We talked about this thing all the way up to the airfield, and we just couldn't dope it out. Interrogator again. And the four of you have filed an official report because of the evasive action you had to take. I'd be interested in knowing what happens to the reports. John Healy replies with, Oh, no problem. We've got a meeting on the 3rd of November. I'll find out how far up the report's gone from there. Only thing is, the report didn't go anywhere. 
There was an official investigation based on the reservists' signed affidavit describing their UFO encounter, but the results of that investigation are inconclusive. The U.S. Army ruled the incident a near-miss with an unidentified aircraft. But looking back on it years later now, John Healy is the only one of four eyewitnesses to come forward to see if they could figure out what it was. John Healy still believes that what he saw over Mansfield, Ohio that night of October 18, 1973 was a UFO. Details about the anomalous aircraft that he watched for nearly five minutes are still fresh in his mind. We were almost involved in a mid-air collision with this object coming out of the east, heading west toward us. It was a clear night, unlimited visibility, and I saw that it didn't have wings, it didn't have windows, it didn't have lights like a conventional aircraft. It was coming right at us. This was an object moving at a fast rate of speed. It saw us probably before we saw it. When it was right in front of us, it stopped and hovered. Maybe it had never seen a helicopter at night. The U.S. Army apparently felt that the incident was too insignificant to warrant a full-scale investigation. However, legendary UFO researcher Dr. J. Allen Hynek disagreed. Dr. Hynek, who authored the book The UFO Experience and coined the term Close Encounter, and is the acknowledged father of modern ufology. Shortly after the Mansfield sighting, he began to conduct interviews with the flight crew and collected their own sketches of the event. In 1976, Dr. Hynek handpicked Jenny Zeidman, an investigator with his Center for UFO Studies, to continue his work on the case and compile a full report. The completed 122-page report titled A Helicopter UFO Encounter Over Ohio reveals several bizarre details about the event that appear to rule out the possibility that the UFO was a conventional or experimental aircraft. According to Zeidman's report, the pilot of the helicopter was forced to take evasive action to avoid colliding with the UFO. The helicopter began to dive at a rate of 2,000 feet per minute. The UFO appeared 500 feet above, hovered, and cast an ominous green light over the reservist aircraft. John Healy can confirm this part of the report. He says, On the undercarriage near the aft end was this humongous green light. It shone down on us and you could actually see a definite cone shape. You could see the beam of light. During the time that the light was shining over the helicopter, the pilot reported that something strange was happening to his aircraft. After the object finally went off to the west, Jenny Zeidman explains, the pilot noticed that although he had been in a descent and his controls were still in the configuration for a descent, the helicopter had actually risen to 3,800 feet. After diving for what he recalled to have been several seconds, his altimeter showed that, instead, he had risen 800 feet. How could a military helicopter in a dive configuration gain altitude? The prevailing theory at the center, and among other ufologists, was that somehow the unidentified aircraft was controlling the helicopter. 
The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. It appeared to have been a real-life encounter with an invention of dime novel science fiction, the tractor beam. John Healy remembers... In regard to our aircraft climbing while it was in a dive configuration, if the pilot said he put it in a dive, he he put it in a dive. I was between the two pilot seats, crouching, looking down, and looking out of the windshield. I was so engrossed in watching that thing, I wasn't looking at the instruments. I didn't feel the force of going into a dive, but I didn't feel the force of us being pulled up either. I didn't feel any kind of G-force. The feeling I had was that this thing was scanning us. The climb remains unexplained, says Jenny Zeidman. The pilot absolutely says the controls were in the mode for a descent. Some people have suggested that the UFO was trying to save the helicopter from crashing into the ground. But there's just not enough evidence, one way or another, to prove what really happened. After the encounter, John Healy, recalls that the entire crew was badly shaken. After we tied up in Cleveland, we stopped at a bar and we were talking about it. We were still in uniform, and a couple of pilots there interrupted us and said, hey, we've seen weird stuff up there too. One of the pilots said he never told anyone about it because he didn't think anyone would believe him. In her search for evidence to support the reservist claim, Jenny Zeidman looked for other pilots or eyewitnesses on the ground that could corroborate the sighting. Three years after the Mansfield UFO event, Warren Nicholson, the director of the Civil Commission on Aerial Phenomena, contacted Zeidman about two possible eyewitnesses. Johnson conducted the first interview with the DeLong family, who claimed to have seen the encounter between the helicopter and the UFO. I was a little doubtful at first, Warren Nicholson recalls. I thought that maybe they had just read the one story that appeared in the newspaper in 73, but they knew things they hadn't been in the article. And quite frankly, they just didn't seem the kind of people who could pull off this kind of hoax. Irma DeLong vividly recalls seeing the Mansfield UFO hovering over what seemed to be her a paralyzed helicopter. Irma was returning home from a family birthday party in Mansfield about 11 on that night and her three children and her younger sister were also in the car. About a quarter mile from our house on Laver Road we saw a helicopter just sitting in midair with this object over it. Irma remembers the kids kept hollering they wanted to stop but I was scared. Irma's son Charles recalls I can remember hollering at my mom. I was 12 years old then and finally she stopped the car. I jumped out and I remembered the whole sky was lit up a dull fluorescent green. I looked up and saw this oval-shaped object above the helicopter. It was dark, and from the ground I could see, really see the size, but it was really huge. Irma continues, the UFO looked almost egg-shaped to me. 
I don't even know how I can describe the color or the light. It was real, real bright and absolutely beautiful. It was wonderful to see. It was yet so very frightening. I wanted the kids back in the car and to get them home as quick as possible. It scared me. Charles says, Mom wanted us back in the car, but I was excited. I knew it was something I had never seen before and would never see again. This case brought together two distinct groups of eyewitnesses. Because of these two sources, we were able to establish the exact location of the event. We were able to compute the flight path of the helicopter and the flight path of the UFO. They were able to develop a second-by-second timeline analysis and this makes Mansfield a very credible case even if it is still unknown. Despite the concerted efforts of Ziedman and the Center for UFO Studies, there just isn't enough information to reach a conclusion about what appeared in the skies over Mansfield, Ohio on October 18, 1973. Unless new ground witnesses come forward with revealing details or the military discloses additional information that they may have, the case will remain a mystery. Perhaps the helicopter itself, now warehoused in an abandoned hangar or rusting on a surplus scrap heap, holds the key to the mystery. According to John Healy, the strangest part of this whole incident was our aircraft 15444. She was never right after October 18th. They would replace radios and navigation equipment, and in a short time, nothing would work. There was no structural damage, but she was never the same. After that night, she was known as the Hangar Queen. A little bit more information about this story. In 1973, the area of of Ohio that we're talking about was undergoing what is called a UFO flap and that is a large report of various and sundry UFOs seen around the place they were reporting it all over the place and even three days prior to this particular incident the governor of Ohio whose name was John Gilligan he actually saw a UFO up in Ann Arbor, Michigan. So it's not like this wasn't something that was happening. Well, a researcher named Philip Class got his hooks into this story, and he came down on the side of, oh, they just made a mistake. They they thought they saw something. They didn't see something. They thought it was a UFO, and it wasn't. I don't know about Philip Class. I don't know about the other guy either. But they both had apparently very good understanding of what was going on in this particular case. And there are those who come out on the side of the helicopter uh, story because... They say that it looks like the UFO was trying to save the helicopter from crashing. I don't know if that's true. I don't know if that's what actually happened. I like to think it might be. Maybe we've got some good guys, you know, some good people looking out for us when we do stupid things. But that's the story of the uh, Ohio 
UFO and Mansfield, Ohio. And it's a, something you can look up. You can look up the, the story of the Mansfield UFO. And it, it has some interesting side, side arguments to it. Um, I'll leave it at that. UFOs, what are they? Are they just things that we see and we mistake what we see? Are they misidentifications? Are they actually aircraft that fly around? Of course, we say they fly around, but are they really flying? We don't know what's causing it. And when we see the lights in the skies, are we actually seeing crafts? Or are we seeing something else that's, that's collecting the light? I don't know. I, I really would like to know. Uh, it's one of those things that I have an interest in. With my, I'm going to say, three sightings of UFOs. One of them was just a straightforward, there's a light out in the sky, something just weird came out of it, and then it's gone back into it, and now it's disappeared. That was right before sundown. So technically, if there was something over the horizon, and it reflected the light of the sun, I could see it. But then, when I got to where I could see it better, I couldn't see it at all. The other one was when I'm sitting in a theater and I look up, my friend and I look up toward the top of the, the windshield and we see a V-shaped craft fly over the edge of the screen at the movie theater. And apparently nobody noticed it. It just went across. It was quiet. There was no noise. And the third thing I had, I can only attribute to a to a UFO because I don't know was in the the room that I grew up in at home it had a south facing window and a west facing window looking out the south window I saw the wall of the garage the car garage is made out of galvanized steel so it shined if any light came on it and my brother and I noticed light shining on the wall of the garage from the west because we could see shadows of trees and it was a bright light we're talking like a big spotlight but we looked out the south window and there was nothing out there that was lit up so we just have absolutely no idea where these lights where this light came from so i've had some i've had some interesting uh, experiences and i know others have had some too uh I'm not saying that you're crazy for believing in UFOs because I believe in them. And, of course, I know I'm crazy, but that's beside the point. Um, I hope you've enjoyed this week's show. I know it's kind of put together, and and you don't know how many times I've had to record this particular show. But anyway, thanks for listening. Thanks for coming by. Remember, on Mondays you get Aaron Hunter with... Real Paranormal Activity, the podcast. On Tuesday, you get Aaron Frail with Aaron's Horror Show. On Wednesday, you get me, Terry's Mysterious Moments. And on Thursdays, sometimes, Patrick Sean Jones with The Sandman Lullaby. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.